Let us pray. Come, Holy Spirit, open our ears, eyes, and hearts to the blessed hope offered in Jesus Christ, made present in your holy word. Amen. I love the collect for today. It is one of my favorites. I can't say I'm as excited about the lectionary readings. They are tough. But what I hope to offer you today, with the help of the Holy Spirit, is a way to engage the scriptures that both acknowledges the difficulty of the task and also offers guidance and hope. Let's take another look at that collect. It reads, Blessed Lord, who caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning. Grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. All holy scriptures were written for our learning. And we ask God to help us as we hear, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them. I love this line, chewing on the scriptures. And I wonder, what do these words taste like? And what ideas about God and about ourselves do they offer? What kind of nourishment do they provide? Today's collect in its earliest form comes to us from Archbishop Thomas Cranmer, the architect of the first book of Common Prayer. Cranmer was convinced that all Christians need to read the scriptures as much as they could. And so, prayer books throughout time, from the first book in England in 1549, to the first American prayer book, 1789, to the one that you all know much better, I believe, the 28 prayer book, and to what we have in the pews today, the 1979 prayer book. All of these are founded on, they began with, and they've continued to be based on the Holy Scriptures. Included in our prayer book are the Psalms, which we sing or recite on a regular basis. And many of the expressions, sayings, and prayers from the prayer book that are familiar to you come from the Holy Scriptures. The prayer book offers us a way and guides us to pray the Scriptures both on our own and together throughout our day. We have morning, afternoon, evening, and end of day, Compline prayers, and of course, our Sunday services like today, as well as special days and occasions in our lives, like weddings and funerals or feast days, all are outlined in our Book of Common Prayer. In our liturgical calendar, which is connected to our lectionary, the choices of readings for each day and for each Sunday, they lead us through the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And they offer us a scriptural journey that invites us to better understand God's relationship with humankind. While the prayer book's origins are hundreds and hundreds of years old, it does continue to evolve and change. And in fact, today, right now, there is ongoing discussion around the next revision, the next prayer book, with examination of patriarchal and colonial language and imagery, with suggestions for more inclusive gender-neutral language, and the potential for new services, like services for same-sex marriages, and proposals for other updates, and new translations in Spanish, French, and Haitian Creole. The process continues. 
Our Book of Common Prayer is based on the Holy Scriptures, and it offers us a way to be led and guided through as we hear, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them. Now, if you've come to the Episcopal Church from another denomination or spent any time in a non-denominational or evangelical church like I did, that's my experience in my teen and college years, then you're probably used to seeing Bibles in the pews or bringing your own Bible with you to follow along. During the sermon, the preacher would invite you to open your Bibles and turn to book, chapter, and verse. Well, some, but not all, Episcopal churches have Bibles in their pews. Some, but not all, Episcopalians have their own Bibles that they carry around with them. At St. Mary's, we have our lectionary inserts, but if you go over to our neighbor's St. Thomas Episcopal Church, they do have Bibles in their pews. But the one thing that we all have in common as Episcopalians is that the scriptures are a key part of every gathering, every time we gather together to pray, and specifically when we celebrate the Eucharist. Like today, we include a reading from the Old Testament, a psalm that we sing or recite, a reading from the New Testament, one of the letters, usually an epistle, and a gospel reading in every Sunday service. Following the order of our Book of Common Prayer, we divide the service into two main parts, the ministry of the word and the ministry of the table. We come together to hear, to sing, to listen, and to respond to the word of God. As Episcopalians, we are a people of the book, a people of the Bible guided by our Book of Common Prayer as we journey together through the Holy Scriptures. But how do we read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest these holy scriptures, embracing and holding fast the blessed hope of everlasting life given in Jesus? In this way, too, we are influenced by our English forebears. A few weeks ago, over in the chapel, we celebrated the feast day of Richard Hooker at our Wednesday morning Eucharist. Richard Hooker was known as the father of Anglican theology. And his process for reading the Bible and working to figure out its applications for our lives were based on two main ideas, the ideas of context and community. The context of where, when, and how we read the Holy Scriptures, and community, the people that we do it with. Yes, we can read Scriptures on our own, but they were meant to be read out loud, listened to, talked about, pondered, shared, reflected on with others. Context. The context from which these holy words have come. Now, this is key. As Episcopalians, we approach the scriptures with all of the gifts made available to us by our loving God. We look at and value the scriptures themselves. We look at and value the traditions, the opinions, conclusions, and ideas of all those who have come before and how they have sought to understand God through the Bible. And we look at and value the gift of reason, science, sociology, psychology, the gift of our minds that we can apply to our understanding of the Bible. And finally, we look at and value our own experiences with the divine and what we have learned from them. These are the gifts that we bring to reading the Bible. We don't read the Bible literally, but contextually, with the help of those who have come before us, with our current understandings of historical, cultural, and literary contexts, with our past and ongoing experience with God, and all of this we do through prayer, guided by the Holy Spirit. 
Last Sunday, I was invited to talk with our Journey to Adulthood youth class of 8th and 9th graders. And the focus for the lesson of the day was the Old and New Testaments and how they were different and yet the same. As I found myself in front of this group of young people, I reflected on what I thought was most important that they know about the Bible. And here's what I shared. First, the Bible is not just one book or even two books, but it is a compilation of lots and lots of different books written at different times, by different people, for different people. Books that were edited, they were added to and taken away from, and they were written in many different literary styles and forms. The Bible consists of historical books, of poetry, letters, eyewitness accounts, biographies of the life of Jesus. There are myths, fables, and allegories, love letters, historical fiction, and more. The Bible is the Word of God, not God's literal words. Yes, the Bible is inspired by God, by the Holy Spirit, but it also came through human writers, so it is not perfect or inerrant. There are mistakes. The Bible does contradict itself. It was written and then translated in several different languages. And what we have today is a translation of a translation of a translation of a translation. The Bible is old, but it is also new and timeless, with applications specific to certain people and places and applications for us today. The Bible offers us a way to better understand who we are, who God is, and who God created us to be. And finally, and most importantly, the Holy Scriptures, the Bible, must always be viewed and interpreted through the lens of love. The love of God for all pro creation proclaimed in Genesis and as God saw all that God created and again and again remarked, it was good. It was good. It was good. God is good. God created us and all that is. And it is good. We are good, loved, lovable, and called to love others. Holy Scriptures must always be viewed through the lens of love, through the lens of love of Jesus, shown in his actions and teachings, his inclusion, uplifting, and inviting of all, his compassion, mercy, and forgiveness. At the end of this class session, one of the leaders shared with me in the hallway that a young person had asked this question, why had God allowed slavery to exist? Wow, what a great question and not an easy question and one that we will have to grapple with together as we look at scripture, tradition, reason and experience guided by the Holy Spirit. For the teacher and I, the happy moment came when we realized that these young people were comfortable enough to ask this question and to seek to understand God through exploring the Holy Scriptures together. Let us pray. Blessed Lord, we give you thanks that you have caused all Holy Scriptures to be written for our learning. Please be with us as we hear, read, mark, and chew on them together so that we may embrace and hold on to the hope you have given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.